0: It's so good to be here in God's house. I'm thrilled about all that he wants to do this year. uh, My name is Jose. We're going to dive into the Bible because we love it and we believe it's life-changing. So if you need a copy of the scriptures and you don't have an app or a print version, uh, some friends are there. Just raise up your hand. They'll get a copy to you. Ours is big and you can have it and it's yours. And, uh, you know, works for weights, works for spiritual development, everything. So you can have it. Great. Uh, in a minute, we're going to read the text, but before we do that, I've got a good friend who's here. It's his first time in PDX. We've served together 10 years. I don't know. How long has it been? It's been a long while. He lives in Romania in the wonderful town of Bayamare, and he is Romanian, and uh, his name is Daniel Rus, and I'm just going to have him stand up so you can greet him. Daniel, just give a, just give a big shout out. <laughs> hey, Daniel, we, we love you. And uh, we've served together, and he's a fantastic man of God and helps coordinate mission. We'll be serving together, Lord willing, here in March in Croatia. We'll be telling you more about that and how you can pray and get involved in it. So uh, we're a church that starts. Some people say, like, why do you have a name as the beginning of your church? Because we're cool, all right? No. Because 26 West is the starting spot. This is where God begins his work through us, but it's not the end. So we take this road to get places, particularly PDX Airport, and share the good news wherever God sends us. So uh, while well, well, we do want to read the Bible, 1 Timothy 5 is where we're going to be. It's a long passage. We're going to read 16 verses. My good friend Taylor Turkington is going to come and guide us as we read. So 1 Timothy 5 it won't be on the screens. We trust you'll have your own copy in front of you. Thanks, Taylor. 1
1: Timothy chapter 5. Do not rebuke an older man harshly. But exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Give proper recognition to those to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has grandchildren or children, these should first learn, of, of, first of all, put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents. For this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for their own relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she's over 60, and has been faithful to her husband, and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the Lord's people, helping those in trouble, and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. As for the younger widows, do not put them on such a list, for when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. Thus, they bring judgment on themselves because they've broken their first pledge, Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house, and not only do they become idlers, but they also become busybodies who talk nonsense, saying things they ought not to. So I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes, and to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Some have, in fact, already turned away to follow Satan." If any woman who is a believer has widows in her care, she should continue to help them and not let the church be burdened by them so the church can help those widows who are really in need.
0: Thanks, Taylor. Um, Happy New Year and welcome to 1 Timothy 5. (laughs) All right. Uh, Okay. So we have how to treat one another and widows and lists and something about being 60 years old as being the magic number. Uh, we're in a long series called Learning to Lead because we think, not only do we think, we know that God wants to grow us. He wants to grow you in the coming year in your own leadership. Don't think executive level. Think of you being a model that others would want to follow you as you follow Jesus Christ. And so God is growing us in our own leadership. And I hope it's been challenging so far, and I hope it's been encouraging. And today will be a mix of both, especially in chapters 5 and 6. So we have five more weeks. If you watched the video from last week, uh, I announced that our series will end with, I think, one of the greatest leaders in the church alive, Luis Palau. will be here live, preaching here in just about a month and five Sundays from now. Okay, Luis, wherever you are, they love you. I'll send them that little note. They love you. But uh, he's going to cap it off because leadership is not ethereal. It's practical. There are real things God wants you to do. As a matter of fact, your faith shows up every day. The question is, what kind of faith is showing up? When you go to school tomorrow, sorry kids, when you go to work, what kind of faith is showing up? So how we think matters and how we live really matters. So today's text is random, but it's important. What's going on? Every family, hear me, has challenges. There is no ideal family. You think, man, I wish I was in that family because they're not as messed up as ours. Let me just give you a hint. I've been around the block. Everyone's messed up. Everybody's messed up. The question is what's messed up in the family. So every family has challenges. And thinking out to the church because he's writing to a leader in a church in Ephesus, real man, real place, real problems. He's navigating now how to lead in the middle of trouble because trouble is here and trouble comes. So in this particular case, we're not going to get into the fine points of widows, but here's what you need to know. Caring for the most vulnerable is the heart of God. It's the heart of God. And so he's not just talking about how to lead in the workplace and lead in in your home. He's like, lead in areas of need. And so we want to start the year with this exciting text about how you and I could step into the heart of God by learning to care for one another. The most vulnerable here. And the reason why is this all about widows and ladies and lists is because in their culture in the first century, money flowed through the men. So the ladies didn't get a paycheck. The guys worked. And so if you didn't have a father to care for you and you're a lady, you're in trouble. If you don't have a husband to care for you, you're in trouble. There's no 401K. There's no social security. There's no government system. There's no safety net. There's, there's stuff or nothing. And so there were ladies who were in the potential of suffering. Even death, because of a lack, because they had no one in their system, in their culture, to provide care. And the beautiful thing is, he speaks to God's people and says, you can step in. So there's real details here that are tough for us to get in our modern sensibilities. But I want you to know this. The scriptures do not say everything about everything. But the scriptures ought to inform everything. And that's why we're looking at an ancient text like this. The scriptures should inform. And their, their counsel, the counsel that Paul gives to this group, is based not on theory. It's based on the heart of God revealed in scripture. So there are things the Bible doesn't tell us about. Like, what color should I wear? Should I wear black or something else? The answer is, I'll let you fill in the blank. Should I buy a hybrid or electric only, or a gas guzzler? Should I do a staycation, or like book an exotic cruise? All of those things are not found in the Bible. There are no verses about that, but we know, Jesus said, when he was asked the question, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus, what's the greatest? What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you've done those things, you fulfill the entirety of God's teaching in God's way. So we know this. We're called to love God and love people. So the question, how do we love God and people with everything? And this is where these verses are going to begin to stir us. You see, 1 Timothy, if you look at it, is about learning to lead with wisdom. God wants us to be wise. So we're going to look at these verses to see the wisdom tools and the wisdom nuggets. And some of them are going to directly apply to us. Some are going to be a principle that we can build our own thinking on. But let's just zoom out for a second. How do you handle life's challenges? When you just get hit with the email like, "Uh uh-oh, what do I do now? When you have that conversation or that text and you're like, "Uh uh-oh, this is going to be a tough one, where do you go? How do you navigate it? You see, what you find in Timothy and in Paul is their mind is saturated on the thinking of God. They've taken the time to saturate their mind on the word of God. So when they're presented with a real case with ladies in the church who have need, some deserve, some don't deserve. They're going to help some, they're not going to help others. They're able to handle this and love God and love their neighbor with wisdom. So I want to take a little rabbit trail because the next four weeks leading up to Luis Palau are going to be natured and saturated in wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is living skillfully under God's Leadership. I want to say this together. Wisdom is leading, living skillfully under God's leadership. Say it again. Wisdom is living skillfully under God's leadership. You see, God wants us to live wise. And so he doesn't give us a three million page book called the Bible with every answer to everything. No. He's given us enough that we can apply what he's written and we can live with skill. Not everyone is living skillfully. I'm going to drop a bomb here. You can love Jesus and live like a fool. You can love Jesus, love him with your heart, and live like an absolute fool if you don't have wisdom. Wisdom is living Skillful. see, so you're living already. The question is, are you living with skill? How? Under God's leadership. Three things about wisdom. We'll get back to the text. The first thing I want you to see is that wisdom comes from God. In the Bible, when I say wisdom, I'm talking about biblical wisdom. When you look at wisdom in the scriptures, it's never about tips. It's never about little pithy sayings and advice about how you can live your best life. Wisdom in the Bible is tied to a person. It's tied to God. And so all throughout the scriptures, you want to look at the person who lives skillfully. They are connected to God. God is the author of life. God is the sustainer of life. God knows how life works. So if you want to live with skill, you want to live well, you want to do something with your life, and at the end not live with endless regrets, then love God. Do you know you can't produce wisdom? You can't produce it. Wisdom is in God, so what you can do is seek it. You can't, you can't create wisdom. You can seek God who is wise. That's why Paul uh, writes to the church. Look at what he says, his prayer. And this is my prayer for you. I was reading this morning and reading my notes and thought, this is my prayer for you this year. Colossians 1, 9 and 10. It will be on the screen. Write it down and make it your prayer for your brothers and sisters this year. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. Pause. He's praying for them, not once consistently. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. God wants to grow you by giving you his will. How do you know his will? His will is given in his wisdom and understanding. How do I have wisdom and understanding? Keep reading that the Holy Spirit gives. You don't produce wisdom, you seek wisdom. If you seek the heart of God and the mind of God, if you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, you will grow and and live with skill and understand what to do, not perfectly, but what to do and when to do it and what to avoid. And all these things are in God. Isn't that good? You get to know God this year and God is why. Second thing is wisdom is about choices. Wisdom isn't theoretical. It's not just about understanding principles. It's about doing stuff. Notice the second end of the Colossians verse was, so you may live a life worthy of the Lord. The goal of wisdom is that you'll live your life differently. And so James three thirteen. Who is wise among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds. Say deeds. Deeds done in humility that come from what? Wisdom. So wisdom guides your deeds and good deeds driven by wisdom leads to the life you want to live. And so friends, brothers and sisters, we can grow this year. I love the fact. You know, we don't map out thematic series most of the time. We just read the Bible through. But it's so funny. I mean, God is wise. He throws this text at the beginning of the year. You can learn to choose well. Not perfectly, but well. Well question is, do you want to? Third thing about biblical wisdom is wisdom is learned. This is so important. Write this down. Wisdom is learned. It's not automatic. You don't inherit it. Wisdom, living under God's leadership, seeking him, learning to make good choices, that's something you learn over time. It's a skill. You can actually pick it up. You don't produce wisdom. You seek it. You attain it. That's why if you read the Proverbs in the wisdom literature, side note, you're like, I don't understand what the Bible has to say about wisdom. Go to the Bible Project, the BibleProject.com. They have a three-part series on biblical wisdom, on Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, and and it's, it's just beautiful. It's all like, and it's fun. It's videos, and it's about eight, nine minutes each. You should watch them today because it'll give you insight on how the Bible speaks about wisdom. You can grow in it. See, I gave you a tip. You have a choice, football or growth. I'm recording all the games today. I already watched the videos. But you can watch them and then you can watch the game later. Wisdom. So Jesus wants to grow you in, in practical decisions. He wants to grow you in day by day. James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should fake it till you make it. Thank you. You should ask. Who? Ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. You don't have to wonder if God wants you to live with skill. God's design. And that's why Paul, leader in the church, prays, I pray you'll grow in knowing the will of God in you know, all wisdom and understanding so that you'll know how to live a life that's pleasing to God. And friend, at the beginning of the year, we get all hyped about all sorts of stuff, right? We get hyped. We're going to drop carbs this year. We're, you know, we're going to run faster this year. We're going we're to be disciplined this year. And you know, what is today, January 6th? We've already failed. I've eaten more bread in the first six days. I don't know what to do with it. I think carbs are the new protein. <laughs> I'm going to write a book about it. It's already, it's already out there. Uh, but wisdom and your choices, those things come and go. But we can get wisdom from God. If you lack it, you can ask and God gives it. Third thing about wisdom is that it's learned. Get that, folks. Now, there are two areas that we're going to see in 1 Timothy 5 that are going to help guide us today. And so I want us to think about these two dimensions. These aren't the only areas of wisdom. Come the next few weeks. And then be here on the first Sunday of February in Luis Palau. I said, Luis, say whatever you want. But we've been going through this study. But just speak into our soul. He's a man of God who has few days left on earth. So he's going to impart wisdom to us. But let's just think of two areas where we can grow in, and I know I can grow in. The first is we need wisdom in our relationships. So much of life is beautiful and tense because of people. Don't you find that to be the case? You're in your room alone by yourself, and everything's all right. Actually, not really because you're in your head. (laughs) Your head gets in there, and you start wondering. But relationships, how, how are you treating the people around you? Let's ask God for wisdom this year on how to treat people. Do you know that you treat people, for the most part, based on how you've seen people be treated? So sometimes we do exactly what our mom and dad did, and we find, why do I do that? I almost hear my mom and dad saying that, and I say it. I almost hear see my mom and dad doing that, and I'm doing it. Why, don't I, why am I doing it? Or the flip is, my mom did that, and there's no way I'll ever do that and we flip to the opposite extreme, right? Most of our relationship modeling is based on what we've seen and heard. We do it and repeat it, or we avoid it. Can I just say to you, God has wisdom on how to treat people in a way that pleases Him. And it may be in line with your you know, mom or dad or whoever raised you. It may not be, but God can show you. How are you treating the people in this church? How are you treating the people when you, when you walk in? Uh, are you thinking, and this isn't a guilt trip, but we got to grow in wisdom. Are you thinking about them, giving deference to them? Are you making attempts? And I know this is hard. Some, some extroverts, and I'm in that camp, I want to say hello to everybody twice, you know? You know. But others, more introversion. It's really hard. I'm just going to say, like, even in that challenge, maybe there's one person this year that God can grow you with wisdom to build your life into, it may not be, You don't have to be everybody's friend. Now you can be nice to everybody. You don't have to go deep with everybody, but you can go deep with someone. And the same goes for extroverts who are like flipping with everybody. You know, like you can actually go deep. Period. Like you, you can, you can do it. How are you treating people? How are you treating people at work? Well, they annoy me. Yeah. How are you treating them? How are you treating people at school? How are you treating people in the neighborhood? So much of what God wants to do in us this year is relationship-centered. And you know, because you are in network with people, God is using you. God wants to increase your usability and your influence by showing you his heart towards people. And that's, I think, the first area. And, and that's what you see here. Let's go into the text. Uh, the first is one and two. Don't rebuke an old man harshly, but exhort him. As if he were your father. Treat these younger men, treat them as brothers. Timothy, the older women, they're your mom, like moms. And the young women, I love it, as sisters with absolute purity. Timothy, you're in the church and you're surrounded by family. This is a word to us. Timothy wasn't biologically related to any of them. He was sent to Ephesus. But you know, when you come to church, you don't come to a room filled with people. You are coming home to where God's people live together. You here have moms and dads. You here have brothers and sisters. And so he uses family relationship to describe this thing called the church. You say, well, well, I don't even even go here. I just showed up because it's, you know, New Year's resolution. I'm going to do this. And, you know, and then Easter, and I'll pop in for Christmas, and you have barbecue in the summer, I'll come once. And you know, and I'm, I'm no, following Jesus is entering a family, real fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. And so we're to treat people with honor. You're going to hear it this week and next week, the week after, the week after. Honor. We're going to honor people. Honoring people is the way of Jesus, and it is a lost art. In our technological world, we don't honor anyone other than ourselves. We slam anyone. People we don't even know. You don't, you don't know them. You don't know their heart. You don't know their struggle. You read one little quote and you blast them. And We forget that that's a human being created in the image of God. We want to learn in the church to honor one another so that when people come in, it becomes this thing that people want to be part of. Why? Because the coffee and the donuts and the music and the stuff? No, it's because this is a place where people who have nothing in common find common ground in Jesus and learn to live in unity with one another, and we bless each other. Family language. So how are you treating the people around you? Wisdom says we're to treat people in the church with love and respect and honor, but this is not being idealistic. You say, well, Jose, that's kind of rose-colored glasses. Well, look at look at verses 3 and 4. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and their grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. There's wisdom here, right? So we want to love people and honor people. But he says, you know what? There are people who have need and the church shouldn't help them first. There are people biologically related to them or in their household and they should care first. How do we navigate needs? We want to grow in wisdom because when you have people, you have needs. You have struggles. You have tensions. How do we do it? Beautiful wisdom here. Who do I help? How much should you help? When is enough? When is enough enough? These are all, there's wisdom issues. They're not like black and white. But notice what Paul says the church. The church together, they took a collection like we take a collection. And he's saying in the church, the church shouldn't help everyone. Church shouldn't. Why? There are people who can support their family. These, these mothers or grandmothers or these people who are in whatever financial need for whatever reason. Rather than the collection of God's resources, no, first those sons and daughters, those nieces and nephews, they should step in and reap, hear me, repaying their, every parent's smiling right now, repaying their parents and grandparents because this is good advice. No, this pleases who? God. Now, this is exactly what our culture is teaching. Be generous. Give. Support. No way. As a matter of fact, we're going to find is godly wisdom, biblical wisdom, will confront human wisdom with truth and light. So what we want to do is learn as the people of God to live as the children of God. We live in a culture that values self. So mom and dad, it's your responsibility to pay for all my bills, take care of all my stuff, send me to the best college. Uh, I want to come home whenever I want to come home. Uh, Your house is really my house because there's new rules now that I've come back. I'm an adult, so I'm going to do what I want. In your house, is it getting tense yet? And then and, and, and in the end now, if you have need later in life, well, listen, you raised me to be free and independent, so here I am, I'm going to do my thing. And listen, if, if you have need, I, you should have saved more. You should have done better. I, I, can't, I don't have time for you. Now, I'm being comedic. But this is what our culture is saying. And there are cultures around the world who are living under the wisdom of God. And children are learning to care for their parents and grandparents and honor them. And I would just say to you, maybe it begins there. Maybe pleasing God is finding out the family people that you have been placed in there. You say, well, my family's broken. Every family's dealing with brokenness. Well, they don't understand. We can honor God by living in a way that is just like Jesus. Jesus came into this world with nothing, born in a cave, and he died with nothing, and he used every bit of it to love people. Now, that is not what your financial planner is saying, but I would dare say Follow biblical wisdom. Wisdom says you were put in a family for a reason, and you know part of your success and fruitfulness. Hear me. Part of God blessing you was he knows your other family, and he knows that they have need, and he put you there to be a supplier. You are the answer to prayer. Now, that, that's just convicting, isn't it? Come next week. It gets better. It gets so much better. Now, that doesn't mean we let people step on it. So you say, Jose, wait, I love people, and then I gotta, I gotta share my stuff with people? Oh, we'll get to your stuff in a minute. Verse six, but the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. That's a metaphor. There, are, there were people in the church trying to abuse the system, milk the system, and what does he say? Wisdom says we call people out. Godly wisdom says we call people out, not In a mean, vindictive way, but with love and sincerity and truth. And if someone is not doing their part, what does he say? Man, she's in trouble. She's living as if she's dead. We will not have that. And he says to the church, they should not be supported. So we live with wisdom. The right thing concerning people, that's just one dimension. Wisdom about relationships, that was one. The second one, is what we're going to continue to build on. I'm just going to give you enough to make you excited, and then we'll continue next week. Wisdom with God's resources. Say it with me. Wisdom with God's resources. So the way we spend money is going to honor our family, our, our church, even the relationship that we have with Jesus. What we do with money is going to do something. What are you doing? Question. What are you doing with God's money? It's God's. Look at verse 8. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, which the household is more than your biological family, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Denied the faith? Worst? <laughs> Are you, the Bible says that? Yes. Now, most of us think about our resources in January, because we messed up in December. And so here we are, beginning of the New Year, right? Let's factor in wisdom from God. In God-given resources, He's going to give you this year by faith. What portion is for, yeah, of course, your immediate family, uh, your single roommate, they're your household, you're the people that you're with, or divorced, or widowed, or whatever, there's the immediate people. But then... Think outside. He's speaking to the church family. Remember, Timothy, you're the older men are your fathers. The older women are your mothers. The younger women are your sisters. What resources is God giving you that's for this family? Biological family, immediate family, household family, but also your church family. You see, if we don't provide for those in need, we're not living with wisdom, and we could live worse than an unbeliever, he says. Now, Wisdom, remember, comes from who? God, right? Not our financial planner. And so whatever your accountant or your favorite author or business course that you take, it may be in line with God's wisdom. It may not. So what you need to do is ask God for discernment. What information am I getting? What motivation am I being given? And I need to live with wisdom. God resources me to be a help. To my family. That's why I'm here. And so if they're contradicting, now here's a principle that, again, we'll build on in a few weeks. Our goal is financial freedom, not financial security. Your goal in life should not be to to be financially secure. Now That is going to buck the trend of so many. Your goal should be financial freedom. That is, you've been able to use godly wisdom to manage your resources, that you are free to be as generous as God wants you to be. If your goal is financial security, you're always asking, What's your magic number? Let me tell you, God could blow up your magic number. And if your goal is to be independently wealthy, then where is your trust in God? As a Christian, I want to do as well as I can. I want to make as much as I can so I can do as much Jesus work as I can. And God, I want to be 100% secure in you. You're my everything. And you own everything. And by the way, you were generous to give to me. You gave me a brain. You gave me assets. You gave me partnerships. You gave me wisdom. God, since my whole 100% trust is in you, I am now free to live with generosity. That is not what you're going to get in Business 101. But as a follower of Jesus, that is our goal, financial freedom so that we can live 100% dependent on God. Every time I go to Uganda, I get convicted because my brothers and sisters there, your brothers and sisters there, with nothing, take in everyone. So everyone has, you know, your husband and wife, and they have their three kids, but then you'll see seven kids there. Oh, these are our kids. Because if there is a child whether it's in their extended family or in their community or whatever, whose parents are gone for whatever reason, they become their child. And they pay their school fees and they care for them, and they care for them like their own child. So they have their household, their biological household, and they bring in everyone. And they have nothing and have no financial freedom but to say, this is the heart of God and this is what we do. And we trust God. And it's convicting. So I'm like, jeez, I am so stinking Selfish. I want rooms that are a little bit larger so I can lay more and, like, you know, have space. While we're at it, I just have to say, it's never been a company or the government's responsibility to care for people. Never. It's never God's intention. Now, God uses government. God uses companies. But I think we see biblical wisdom. He's talking to the church is God's people with God's resources doing God's stuff. And when God's people, with God's resources are doing God's stuff, needs happen to evaporate. And God gets the glory because his children are caring for one another. And it's an apologetic. It is a way of saying that the way of Jesus is true in a community that is looking to be independently wealthy so that I can, I can take all that I made and do what I want with it. We're saying, oh, gosh, well, those things, you didn't come in with them and you don't leave with them and they're gifts, and they're beautiful. Hear me, I am pro-wealth. I am pro-you being as rich as as God wants you to be. I am pro-you having every asset that God wants to give you as long as you're 100% dependent on him. And then you'll be wise enough to say, when God says that wasn't for you, you can say, okay, it's, it's for this. And you do it with joy. By the way, this isn't theory. There are people in this church modeling this out, and they're an inspiration to me because I'm definitely more on the selfish side. All right, I'm being honest. Verse nine, you may not be, I will be. Verse nine, no widow may be put on the list of widows unless she's over 60, has been faithful to her husband, is well known for a good deed, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the Lord's people, in other words, serving, helping those in trouble, devoting herself to all kinds of deeds. So this is wisdom. Where did Paul get the age 60? That's a weird one. Wisdom. Wisdom. There is no, at the age of 60, the church should care for you. It's just, he saw, given what was going on in Ephesus, this is the right age. And that's this wisdom. So there are guidelines for who the church supports and who the church doesn't support. Why is this important? Verse 14 and 15. So I counsel younger widows. I counsel. Again, this is wisdom. Younger widows should marry, have children, manage their homes. and and give the enemy no opportunity to slander. He says it because some were wasting wasting their lives. They're becoming busybodies and gossips, and they were being supported, and they weren't being productive. Some have, in fact, turned away to follow Satan. Again, when when we don't do what's right, we're leading on the path that leads closer to Jesus or closer to Jesus' enemy. There's no neutral ground. You're either growing closer to him or you're sliding further away from him. And he's like, we don't want that to happen. So I, I give wisdom. Did they have to marry? No. Are you more godly if you are married? No. You just have more trouble. Paul says, if you marry brings, being married is, is trouble. Why? Because you have to serve God and I have to serve my wife. Because you're supposed to love your wife as Christ loves the church, right? So it's beautiful, but it's also it's a burden. It's a responsibility. So Paul's like, man, if you could be free and you could be single, you could serve God. Man, that's ideal. But not everyone's in that spot, Right? So marriage doesn't make you more godly. Singleness doesn't make you more godly. Living like Jesus makes you more godly. Choosing to follow him no matter your station in life. If he's put you with someone, hallelujah. If he hasn't, rejoice in the moment. And if your your heart's desire, if it's something else, cry out to him. He's faithful. He's merciful. He's loving. He's understanding. And he has you where you are now. So rather than living for the next season, live in this season. And live with wisdom. And God will show you what to do. Manage your life. well. Remember, wisdom comes from God. You don't produce it. You seek it. All right, so that, those are the two areas. We want areas of responsibility and relationships and with resources. We'll, we're going to touch more on it in the weeks to come. This is so good. This is going to shake us up. We're gonna, we are a generous church. I'm not going to lie. You are a very generous people, and we're able to do a lot of kingdom work because of your consistent generosity. But I don't think we're there yet. I think we just started. Got a great start, but there's so much more Jesus' work for us to do. And in order to do that, we're going to have to be relationally strong. We're going to learn to love one another. And then we're going to have to be Fiscally wise. Not, not like we, we're just afraid and we hoard and we're scared. No, not that we're just so extravagant, throw it away. No, we're thoughtful, we're wise, but we see every asset as God's. And we say, God, you want to do stuff. And God, what part am I called to play in your work? How do we foster wisdom? This is where we We can begin. We want to respond now. We want to step in from hearing to doing. How do we foster a heart of wisdom? Two things, I think, at least. We need more of God's presence. I want to be wise. I need God. Wisdom comes from God. Uh, So what are we planning to do? Well, I hope you're reading the Bible. Continue. Okay, that's just a a side word. But what we're going to do is we're going to create opportunities to grow together. So I mentioned it on the video, and I'm mentioning it to you now Uh, In February, right after this series is over, we're going to do 21 days of fasting and prayer. 21 days. Why February? Because January is a month of fads. February, let's get get your fad out of the way. February, we want to zone in. Do you have to fast for 21 days? No. But in that season, we want to take three weeks to pursue the heart of God. We want to invite his presence. We're going to shake up our rhythms. Fasting is about changing your rhythm so that your eyes can look to God. I just eat all the time. But when I don't eat, I'm reminded, man, I'm hungry. I, I shake up my rhythm so that I can put my attention back to God and put my hope in him. And say, God, man and woman does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. I need you. So we're going to be doing that together. And I pray it will set the tone for your life. That Three weeks of intentional seeking God together will set the tone, not just for the year, for your life. Second thing is we need more of God's people. To grow in wisdom, we need God's presence, yes. But we need God's people. Wisdom is not produced. I don't produce it. I seek it. Do you know there are people here that are wise, that know stuff, that have been through stuff, that have experienced stuff, that could be a blessing. God, will you teach me? And he's like, I've put people right in front of you. Please listen to them. And so you're a part of a church. We can grow together. There may be some people that you don't know well, but you kind of look at their life and think like, man, I, I, I don't know what it is, but whatever whatever they have in their soul, I, I, my soul longs for it. Let me just tell you, go up, say hello, and just say, you know what? I've been watching you. I'm not a creep, but I've been watching you, and I, I just, I would love to take you out and listen to a little bit of your story because I think there's some things that you can show me. Now, boy, what are you saying? You're saying you're honoring them. Most people are going to be like, well, oh, thank you. <laughs> I feel nice. And you know what? They should because God's using them. And then and then tap into all the wisdom they have. I'll give you a secret. When, I, when I'm talking with leaders, I ask the same questions. Because I want to hear different perspectives on the same thing. Like, you know. And if there's a bunch of people in the city, there's 20 pastors, one-on-one, I'll ask them all the same question. And collectively, I want to I want to glean wisdom. And if you ask good questions, God will teach you. And so let's be learners this year. By the way, uh, we have a prayer room. And we want this to be a part of the culture of our church where week in and week out, when something's going on in our world, we listen to scripture because scripture is true and it grounds our thoughts. But then we take action. So I'm going to invite you today, when we stand and we sing, the, the it's just across. You have to go out where the exit sign is. It's a, a room across the hall and it's, it's beautiful. It's just with couches and chairs. So you can get away from the noise. And there are already, as soon as we get up to sing, there are people who step out. They're not being rude. They're part of our prayer team. And they're in the room so that when the song is being sung, you can slip out and have a brother or a sister listen to what's going on and pray with you. Not counsel you, hear the 10 steps, but just hear enough to say, God is what we need and go to God together. And sometimes praying for ourselves is good, but God wants us to step out in faith and trust that others together are gonna make the difference. Where two or three are gathered in his name, he's there. We have 26 West communities. And so there are people you can, it's a new year, new rhythms. You can choose this year to do life with people in this church. And I'll, I'll tell you the truth, it's gonna cost you time. It's It's not convenient. And it's gonna cost you some resources because if there's food together, you should bring some food. And, and it's, it's not always super exciting. I'm in sales, as you can tell. It's not always like sexy, like I went there and it was like powerhouse and it was crazy. Sometimes I was like, yeah, it was, it was cool. But you know what? One conversation could set the tone for someone's week. And you know what? You may not get anything out of it, but your word of encouragement to someone could transform their world. You didn't even know, you just, you showed up for tacos. And God spoke through your life. So you can live with wisdom, I can live with wisdom. Now what are we gonna do? We're gonna ask the Holy Spirit. I pray that you will grow knowledge of the will of God through wisdom and understanding from the Spirit. So why don't you stand on your feet. And let's just, let's, a few people are gonna step out because they're gonna go to the prayer room, okay? So don't worry about them. Others are going to cheat and go to the bathroom because like, I'm in the prayer room, and that's cool too. That's, that's cool, totally cool. But for the rest of us, listen, friend, we only get to do this once a week, all right? We get an hour and a half out of your entire week. Can we just take this next little section and really press in? If you are struggling in every area, come to Jesus. If you don't know what to do, come to Jesus. He's wise. Today's baptism Sunday as well. And if you've chosen to follow Jesus and not been baptized, here's a bit of biblical wisdom. Repent and be baptized. And so when Brandon opens the tables in a minute and we go to communion, we're going to invite you if you want to be baptized this morning, you've chosen to put your trust in Jesus as your only hope. You've turned from your sin to the living God. You said, Jesus, you're my only reason that I can be made new and forgiven for my past and given eternal life. Today, I want to choose to follow you publicly. You can go over, speak with one of our leaders, and be baptized. Lord, you're wise, and so we press into you. Lord, we don't want to produce human wisdom. We want to seek you with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength, and learn how to love our neighbor as we even love ourselves. Now, as we sing songs to you that are right and fitting and true, Holy Spirit, shape our thinking so that we'll live in the way of Jesus even this week we pray in Jesus' name.